Today is Hockey Heritage Day because on this day in 1890, the first hockey game in Western Canada was played, and it was played at a pretty neat spot. Also on the subject of hockey, we had our weekly Wednesday Jets chat. Leah Hextall joined us as we gear up for tonight's game against the Red Wings. Theft continues to be a big problem. Richard Cluche spent time with police and security at Polo Park over the weekend to find out what they're doing to help curb the problem. Osborne Village Biz has a new boss. We'll see what they've got in mind for the future of that neighborhood. And we enjoyed ourselves in asking you, do you have an unusual Christmas tradition? I'm Brent McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is in for Hal today on Connecting Winnipeg. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This is the Wednesday, December 20th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is in on Connecting Winnipeg for the rest of the weekend for Hal Anderson. And I should point out that uh, Mr. Mackling looking rather sharp today. Love Thank that you. tie, by the way. He's got a Thank he's you. got like a novelty. Is it fair to describe that as kind of a novelty-ish Winnipeg Jets tie? Well, uh, it is the uh, home and away version of the 1990s Winnipeg Jets jerseys, alternating the blue and the white. Yeah. With the uh, classic 90s logo. So I, I guess their second NHL logo, yes. So not fair, then. It's on, that's not novelty. That's, that's, uh, it's a cool tie. I love it. Love First it. time I've ever worn it. I was gifted <laughs> this tie 11 years ago. Every year, for, for the most part, for the last decade, I've played Santa Claus at one of the inner city daycares for a very good friend of mine. And uh, this was a gift that my friend Lois, who runs the daycare, gave to me as a thank you one of those years. And so today is actually Hockey Heritage Day in Manitoba. It celebrates the very first game of hockey ever played in our province back in the 1800s on the the Assiniboine River. Cool. And today uh, is a Legends Luncheon in honor of um, some legendary inductees in the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame. I'll be emceeing that today. Jordy Douglas, president of the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame, will join us after 9 o'clock just to talk about Hockey Heritage Day and those that will be inducted today. So I'm excited about that. Where was it played on the Assiniboine? Close to the legislative building. Oh, neat. Based on historical account. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I'm looking forward to that conversation at 9.05. And on the subject of... um, like, if you want to buy yourself a Winnipeg Jets tie for Christmas for somebody, you're running out of time. But what we are going to talk today about retail, and at 7.05, we'll get more into it with uh, CJOB's Richard Cloutier. But, yeah, we're talking about uh, theft and weird purchases online today, yes? Yes, we are. And uh, Richard uh, spent some time at Polo Park on the weekend. I don't know if he finished his sh- shopping but he was there more singularly minded, and that was with Winnipeg police and behind the scenes to see what police are doing in conjunction with mall security to crack down. You know, we call it shoplifting. I don't want to call Can we stop calling it that? It's theft. Mm-hmm. You know, um, shoplifting in my mind is when you when you put something in your pocket because you can't afford it. You know, you need uh you need razor blades or deodorant or something. You haven't got the twenty-five or the six dollars. Not to justify it, but to me, that's that's shoplifting, right? When you take a one-off, 
theft, outright retail theft is, is these smash and grabs and maybe steps down from that. We all know that retailers uh, deal with shrinkage. That's the stuff that walks out of the store without being paid for. But uh, some of these thefts are getting pretty brazen. And it doesn't mean they haven't been in the past, but it, it, it seems as though and retailer and the retail association saying that there's now more than ever individuals who just have no shame. They go in and they'll, they'll grab an armful of sweaters and walk out of a store. They'll go into a retailer and take multiple power tools and walk out of a store. Uh, so, you know, it's outright theft and there is some some systematic thievery going on along with the, the sale of these items online as well. And so Richard goes behind the scenes to uh, to find out what retailers are doing to combat this. It's not an easy solution by any stretch. And what might we see in terms of the justice system uh, maybe coming down a little bit more hard on, on these thieves. We'll have more with Richard at 7.05. And our question of the day, by the way, at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. Do you or would you purchase items online even though you might not know exactly where and how the seller attained these goods? Yes, maybe, or no. Cast your vote at cjob.com. And on the subject of shopping, if you're in a place like a mall, you're likely to see the Salvation Army. And we're going to hear from them at 7.35 because their kettle campaign, so far they've raised $10.9 million, which is great. But the goal is $22 million. Oh, boy. Okay, so this is nationwide, Brett? Yeah. Yeah. So they're halfway to the finish line. So we're going to hear, with only five days left in the campaign, we'll hear from uh, Major Al Heft at 7.35. But they've got, I don't know if they're at every kettle station. I was at Grant Park last week. And they they have their kettle, like the if you want to throw in some change or five bucks or whatever. But they also have those tap options now for if you don't have any cash. Brilliant. And it's like a tower where there are just three options. One was I think five. One was ten dollars, and one was twenty. Because I was I was wondering like how does that work? Like let's say the station is because I've seen some stations like because I know recently they were calling for desperate need for kettle volunteers. So there have been some stations where there was no no person there. Just this automated tower. Yeah. So I thought, how does that work then? If there's no one there, all you got all you do is tap it. Nice. So you, you can just walk up, tap it, and away you go. That's cool. So that that yeah, I mean that and that's a, a staple. Like I was at Polo the other day and I, they were ringing the bell. And there's just something about seeing that Salvation Army station, hearing the bell. Just if you anything you can spare helps. So more at 735. Staple in our shopping experience and also in, in so many Christmas movies, right? Yeah. Right? Santa on the corner shaking those bells with that kettle and, and collecting money less fortunate than, than the rest of us. So, And hopefully tonight you get uh, an early Christmas gift, Greg, from the Winnipeg Jets as uh, Detroit. Is that the, it's the Red Wings tonight, yes? Red Wings tonight, Boston Friday. It's uh, what the Jets are calling original six week. We, we know how it started Monday night. Not too bad. Uh, come back from 2 nothing down. Leah Hextall will join us. Uh, Leah joins us every three weeks. And I think, you know, secretly we circle our calendar when Leah's coming to join us because she just brings a certain level of intensity with mm. her Jets commentary. So we'll break down uh, the things the Jets are doing right and maybe the things that should be going better.
It is Mackling McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg and for Hal Anderson for the rest of the week. In our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself some AEW tickets. All elite wrestling coming back to Winnipeg Canada Life Center on April 10th. Hopefully, Winnipeg wrestler Kenny Omega will be back in action because he's out indefinitely dealing with an illness. So when's the show, Brett? April 10th. So Hopefully he's back in action by then, right? Yeah. It's not like he's got a defined injury that would keep him out for X amount of months. Yeah, because he and uh, Chris Jericho put on, a couple of Winnipeggers put on a great show last time they the were Golden here. The Jets! Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was super fun. Um, so that we'll do that in our next segment. And a uh, reminder that after Global News at 7, we'll hear from... CJOB's Richard Cluche on what they're doing for security at Polo Park uh, as he uh, teamed up with Winnipeg Police to take a look at what's going on there. But right now, though, and I promise I did not cherry pick this next topic because it's my backyard. But we've got a great story for you about Osborne Village. Yes, it's been a while since, you, if it's been a while since you've been through the village, some big new buildings are popping up. Global's Iris Dick has more on the vision for the Winnipeg neighborhood. For Zora Gervais, Osborne Village has always felt like home. I fell in love with Osborne from the minute that I stepped foot in this neighborhood when I first moved to Winnipeg in 2003. Gervais is the Osborne Village Biz's new executive director. Gervais hopes to turn the village into the hot spot it was some years ago. I think everybody in Winnipeg noticed over COVID and, um, you know, kind of with a few key spots closing up over the last decade, things have really changed here. That involves bringing more people to the already dense neighbourhood. Two large apartment buildings on Osborne will welcome residents next year. we got six stories here, uh, 90 apartments and up to seven commercial units. With public art built in. Running the length of this new building is going to be a massive mural. Further north at River and Osborne. We are standing at the site of a proposed slip lane closure. Come spring, the city will study how closing the lane affects walkability. There are also new protected bike lanes going up on Stradbrook and River. And though it's not crossed the city's desk yet, the biz hopes to make River and Osborne a pedestrian scramble. Cars and people never cross the intersection at the same time. So I would really love if we can make that happen. While some have sounded the alarm around safety in recent years. I don't feel as safe here as as, uh, when I first moved here. Others are looking to move back to the neighbourhood. It's the next neighbourhood to come around again. Osborne Village business owner Judy Coy has seen the neighborhoods ups and downs since she first opened her shop in 1987. Well, I think it's the same as anywhere. I do think that with COVID and, and um, with what we've experienced, it's it's not just the village, it's everywhere. She's optimistic it's on the way up again. It's unique to the city, and I think we I think we should really embrace it. I think it will always be a, more of a grassroots type of neighborhood. So I think that's really exciting and important for people to keep in mind that while they change, the businesses are still ultimately mostly small businesses. Hoping to reclaim the title of Canada's best neighborhood once more. Iris Dick, Global News. So I love the optimism in this as a resident of Osborne Village. I've always loved the neighborhood. I chose to live there when I had to move back in September of 2019 because of the specific location where I picked because I can, it's a two minute walk to the gas station if I need to go to the convenience store. It's a two-minute walk to a grocery store. There's a liquor store. There's a shopper's drug mart. Uh, there's an A&W and a subway across the street if I'm lazy and don't want... Like, I can walk to get pretty much everything that I need for day-to-day stuff. 
And it's a close walk home from work. It's like 20, 25 minute walk from here at 201 Portage. So I love the village. But in terms of the, like we saw recently, it was just a couple of weeks ago, we heard there's one of the businesses on Osborne in the village, Unique Bunny, which is an Asian beauty store. They're they're leaving. They're, there's, they're, they've got a couple of other locations, but they're closing their Osborne Village location because of the lack of foot traffic. And due to the what they say is a, a, like a decline in public safety, I'm I'm curious if part of the problem is like they've done, and I'm sure you're you're, you're well on top of this, Greg. The there's been a lot of infill development in the in the neighborhood in the last ten years or so, which is great if it brings more people, but it's expensive. Like I remember when I went to when I was at Red River. 20 years ago, plus half of my class lived in Osborne village because they could afford it. And that's what made the neighborhood so vibrant is there were so many young people living in Osborne village and they put up all this infill. But if you can't, if these young people can't afford to live there anymore, you wonder why there's no foot traffic. It's because it's probably more people like me, like my apartment, for example, with parking is 1365 and I can afford that because I've, I'm an established career, but if I was a student, there's no way I can afford that. And that's a one bedroom apartment. So like, even if if, would you want to live with two or three friends in a one bedroom apartment? Probably not. So I just wonder is the neighborhood sort of quieter because there are like people like me who are, (laughs) they're a bit older and they just want to fall asleep on their couch at 10 o'clock. <laughs> well, professionals, right, with other obligations, uh, weekend at, uh, you know, staying at Papa George's till 4 o'clock in the morning, not necessarily on the agenda <laughs> like it was once upon a time. I lived in the village as well. I own a property in the village now. And so I'm guilty of contributing to that gentrification of the village. Uh, I think a, a, a parking is an issue, has been for a long time, oh, yeah. I think, but maybe now as much as ever, I think that that is a, a problem. Unfortunately, the walkability, I think, of Osborne has declined just in terms of, you know, just more traffic overall on Osborne not just during rush hour, it's like a busy road. Mm-hmm. And so it's less, I think, attractive to take a stroll down Osborne and, and window shop and maybe, you know, go door to door and check out some of the retailers there. I think you're right though. I think maybe at the heart of it is just the affordability and the changing face of that neighborhood in terms of who lives there. Yeah. But those, uh, as far as the changing face goes, like they've put up two buildings on Osborne. One is the site of the old uh, hotel, like yeah. the, the Osborne it Village. It looks spectacular. Yeah. So then they, 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 they've, they've really done a good job at, uh, at making it fit the aesthetic of the neighborhood. And then right. there's the one. So that's on the east side of Osborne. And then on the west side, where the old Gags Unlimited was, they've moved. Dutch to Maid. Main Street, I think, and uh, yeah, that's right. The Dutch Maid, which was became an antique store, and the laundromat. Um, I think the laundromat. It doesn't matter. Anyway, they tore down some buildings, built another one, and if you're coming in if northbound Osborne, as you enter the village, they've put up this "Welcome to Osborne Village" sign on the side of that building, which is cool and really retro, and uh, it's very. When I first saw that, just a couple weeks ago, I thought that's cool. 
That says, this, the, let's bring this neighborhood back to life. I agree with you. It's uh, three or four stories tall, that sign. And you and I were talking. It feels familiar, the 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 font and the setup. Mm-hmm. And we very quickly, talking about it, Silver Heights Shopping Center, Mount Royal and Portage. Yeah. And uh, I'm just looking at a picture right now. Same font, same slanted font. It's sort of turned on its side and up. Going from the bottom left to the top right, some people may be unsure of that. I I think it looks spectacular. So if it feels familiar, that might be why. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg for the rest of the weekend for Hal Anderson. We have AEW tickets to give away. All Elite Wrestling. Canada Life Center, April 10th. And as we approach the home stretch of Christmas, we are going to focus on some Christmas topics for the rest of the week in this slot. And today we want to talk about unusual Christmas traditions, perhaps something that became a tradition by accident, or maybe it started as a joke, like there was a gag and it went over really well, and then you just had to do it every year. And uh, Mac, because Mackling, you were telling me something <laughs> funny about breakfast cereal. <laughs> we weren't allowed those sugary cereals in our house, the Fruit Loops and the, the sugar me, pops and stuff. Never so the that. only time we got those would if like if we stayed over the weekend or overnight at at one of my our grandparents' house. And so that was one of the highlights: real butter. Three wow. percent or homogenized milk. <laughs> oh my god! And sugar cereals oh at, at Nanny's place, right? And so uh, life was pretty good. And uh, my youngest, uh, well, my second youngest brother now, uh, Chris, uh, loves Cap'n Crunch. Always loved Cap'n <laughs> Crunch. And so my mom started buying him a box of Cap'n Crunch <laughs> for Christmas, wrapping it, putting it under the tree. And then, of course, while well, my mom's been gone for over twenty years now. And uh, it's hit and miss, but for the most part, just about every year, somebody remembers to buy Chris a box of Cap and Crunch, wrap it for him, and put it under the Christmas tree. So that's a goofy tradition in our family. Is he sad if he doesn't get it for Christmas? Oh, yeah. I think he's outraged, in fact. <laughs> he can go to the store anytime and buy it for himself. You forgot. How could you forget? <laughs> so there you go. Another victim of COVID, of COVID Christmases. Oh, yeah. There you go. So your <laughs> unusual Christmas traditions, either born by accident or born as a joke, whatever. 204-780-6868. Sarah McCarthy, let's start with you. I had a tough time trying to decide which one I was going to tell, but um, most of them involve my cousins. Uh, growing up, we always spent Christmas Day together and New Year's Eve together, but our Christmas Day tradition, we would always get um, those Christmas crackers, those like pull apart little, yeah. and like there is nothing good in those. Never. There's paper crowns, but we would have like competitions. Paper, tissue paper. Tissue paper, yeah, crowns. tissue paper. They're not even that sturdy. <laughs> But uh, we it's like would... half ply, not not even one ply. <laughs> no. It's half ply. <gasps> no, but uh, so there was only like four of us, and there's always way more crackers than that. So we would have like a little competition every Christmas day, and we would literally fight over the prizes, and we still do. <laughs> and we're all over the age of eighteen. <laughs> So it's fun. That's good. And Poitras, what about you, sir? Uh, well, my dad used to always get my grandma uh, a Betty Boop calendar. Her name is Betty. My, um, and so every year, my dad would always get her a calendar. 
Uh, and it would always be, her nickname was Betty Boop, so it would always get her a Betty Boop calendar. Um, but I, one with me, for me and my in, in my buddy, me and my buddy Chris, when I was living in Alberta, um, working in Calgary, he was working in Drumheller uh, at a radio station there. And so I would head over to him, because we were kind of the two guys left alone, and there was a couple uh, winters I couldn't come in for Christmas. And so I would just go head out to Knackmine, Alberta, um, in the drum, in, you know, off the Red Deer River there in Drumheller, and... Uh, Outside of just outside of Drumheller, and I would go and spend Christmas with him. And so, uh, as we both back, we're both back in Winnipeg. We're both originally Winnipeggers. Back here in Winnipeg, uh, now I go on Christmas. Every Christmas, I go and I spend the day with him, and, and we hang out, and we, uh, yeah, we just uh, have fun. So it's 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 good. And of course, I'm going to be listening to Home for the Holidays with Clay Young right here on 680 CJOB <laughs> from seven until ten. That's another tradition I have now. I love that show. Thanks for the reminder on that. Yeah. Clay is indeed doing because we had a lot of people. People have been asking for weeks. Oh, I know. I saw it. Yeah. Like before Halloween, we were, people were asking, is Clay doing a Christmas show this year? <laughs> uh, yes, he is. Uh, Forte, what about you? It's not unusual, but every single year since I've been alive, I believe, my dad has always made this Christmas punch. And every year he takes that first sip and his eyes go big and he goes, oh, my God, I did myself this year. <laughs> This is the best punch I have ever made. Every single year, it's always the best punch he's ever made. And then last year, he didn't make it. And I'm so disappointed. And, you know, I've been trying to get him to do it again. Mm -hmm. And I've been telling him, like, what, you can't outdo yourself? (laughs) What, you you just gave up? (laughs) So, Ronnie, come on. Let's go. Did he, in fact, one-up himself every year? Well, like, was it actually better? I, not in my opinion, but <laughs> don't tell him. Don't tell him. How do you <laughs> feel about things floating in the punch? Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, he fruit, has a, fruit, fruit floats. Random in the fruit. Oh yeah, no, he uh, he makes an ice ring that goes in it, and mm. there's like cherries and whatnot. So it's like cherries, like it's delicious stuff. That's yeah, I, I I scoop those out. I just want the liquid. The fruit is embedded in the ice ring. Yeah, and then one, cool. once the and ice ring melts, and all the fruit. Kind oh, of the no cherries. floaties, no floaties in anything to drink. Ice is the only thing. What about you, Brett? When my my mom used to stuff our stockings with chocolate bars, amongst other things, but it was there. Are, there are always two or three chocolate bars in there, and for I don't know how many years, there would be a Snickers bar in mine, and I finally said to her, "Why do you buy me like why Snickers?" And she's like, "Well, you love Snickers." I said, "No, I hate it." <laughs> I hate Snickers. I've never liked Snickers bars. I like Mars bars, which is basically the same bar, but Snickers has is full of nuts. And I don't dislike the nuts. I just don't like Snickers bars. <laughs> so, And then I felt bad for identifying this because she felt bad that for God knows how many years she'd been putting Snickers bars in the <laughs> stocking and, and I don't and I didn't eat them. I just give them away. So anyway, that was one unusual tradition that I always wondered why. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg for the rest of the week at 10 o'clock. And we're asking you today for a chance to win AEW tickets. Do you have an unusual Christmas tradition? Like something that maybe started as a gag or maybe by accident and then it just became a thing? What does Jay have to say, Greg? A few years ago, we started doing Festiva celebrations, you know, like directly from Seinfeld. Dear son, happy 
Festivus? What is Festivus? It's nothing. It's nothing. When George was growing Jerry, up, no. his father no. hated all the commercial and religious aspects of Christmas, yeah. so he made up his own holiday. Oh, and another piece of the puzzle falls into place. All right. And instead of a tree, didn't your father put up an aluminum pole? Oh, Jerry, no. stop it. And then weren't there feats of strength that always ended up with you crying? I can't take it anymore. I'm going to work. You happy now? <laughs> So Jay continues the poll. We do the poll, the airing of grievances, everything except the feats of strength started as a joke. Now it's a tradition. When is Festivus, Brett? Isn't it? To, is it December 23rd? Oh, the I 23rd. thought it was the 21st. It's the 23rd. Okay. That's great. And that actually apparently really happened. Like it's based on it. one of the writers of Seinfeld went experienced Festivus. So they turn it into this gag but for the really. show. And uh, Jerry Costanza, what was his? Frank Costanza. Frank, yeah. This is Frank Costanza. <laughs> it's one of his many legendary speeches in that show. Just such a wonderful thing. You can't keep us on a Del Boca Vista. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is the line in the, where he calls uh, Jerry's dad? This is Frank Costanza. We are moving in lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> lock, stock, <laughs> and barrel. <laughs> some of, those are some of the best Seinfeld bloopers. Is uh, Jerry Stiller trying to get Del Boca Vista out of his mouth? Oh. He has a hard time. <laughs> Bill Vicka Bosta. It's outrageous. <laughs> Del Boca Vista. Another, here's another one from a listener who says, "My mom was a nurse and usually worked." Night shift during the holidays, so we would celebrate on Christmas Eve. For supper, we had pizza, eaten off of paper plates, so no one has to cook or clean up afterwards, and we could focus on spending time together. The next morning when she got home from work, we could have leftover pizza for breakfast while she went to sleep. She's been retired for a while now, but we have maintained our tradition. That's beautiful. I and love that. And a salute to everyone that works those odd hours, those odd shifts on the on the holidays as well, in particular our frontline workers. Cheers to you. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is in for Hal Anderson for the rest of the week on Connecting Winnipeg from 10 until 12. And just a heads up, if you are listening online, hopefully you'll be able to make out what I'm about to say. But we had uh, multiple listeners let us know that our online sound is garbled. One listener describing it as Max Headroom. You've gone Max Headroom this morning. Oh boy, you have to be a certain age to remember Max Headroom. What a phenomenon he was. Yeah. Or it, they were, I don't know. Uh, Max Headroom. <laughs> don't want to add to the confusion. I had a sweater online. with Max Headroom on uh emblazoned upon the chest. We did a, like a lip syncing competition at the Bay back in the eighties during high school. And one guy put a fake TV on his head and did a whole Max Headroom no. bit. It was terrific. Oh man, that's great. Uh, so hopefully we'll get, be able to get that situation fixed soon uh, because we, we have something, an important message to share with you right now. Now, uh, I was concerned about something I saw yesterday, partly because just a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of emceeing the Santa Shuffle, the Salvation Army's Santa Shuffle. It's a winter run that was at the Forks, and it was a decent day. It was a Saturday morning, and I think it was, I don't know, minus two, minus three, so they lucked out, and they had two or 300 people who came out, and and I, I just thought, man, runners are, they're a different breed. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to run any time of the year. 
especially not in the winter. So good for them. And a lot of people were in costumes. <laughs> there was a group known as the Transcona Trekkers who uh, do these run, a lot of runs. And so I thought it was great to see all these people coming out to support the Salvation Army. So yesterday when I saw this, I was it gave me a jolt. The headline starts with, the Salvation Army in Canada raises $10.9 million in Christmas kettles. And I think, well, that's good, isn't it? Well, the headline continues with prompting urgent appeal for support to reach $22 million goal. All right, so there's some perspective there. We're joined now by the Salvation Army's Major Al Haft. Al, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So what's happening here? I know we've had, you know, some some lags in fundraising uh, for a lot of organizations during the pandemic and and challenges on that front. Do, Do you know why the lag in fundraising this year? Is it the economy or something else? I think it's a mixture of all of those things. You know, I think the reality is people are facing some challenges this year and things are a little tight. So people are being really careful. But at the same time, you know, we recognize that uh, there's been a significant increase in demand for service for us this year across the board, about 30 percent nationwide. And we're certainly seeing that very similar number here in Winnipeg. And so, you know, we recognize that uh, it's really important that we achieve this goal this year so that we can continue to provide services and those increased services that people are looking for. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the services that the Salvation Army provides? Because I even was not aware until I was speaking with uh, Kristen over at the Salvation Army at the Santa Shuffle, just how much the Army does. Well, I mean, obviously, people recognize that food security programs and sheltering that we provide here in the city are a big part of what we do. But we also provide ongoing supports to families all year round. And we have even here in Winnipeg, we have like work readiness programs. We have uh, we have literacy programs. We have programs for new Canadians. We have programs for seniors. And so, you know, the reality is all of those programs are really needed at this time. And uh, so many Canadians and so many people right here in the city are seeing, you know, the need for those supports and those services for them and their families. And so, you know, we just want to make sure that uh, we're able to provide what what's needed here. And uh, you may have seen yesterday, there was a report that uh, we released or a couple of days ago now, uh, that one in four Canadians fear they don't have enough income to cover their basic needs. And so, you know, the, the reality of people even skipping or reducing the size of meals, parents skipping, you know, a meal or, or reducing the size of meals so that their kids can eat, those things are significant uh, realities that people are facing today. And so, you know, we're looking for the community and those of us that, uh, you know, maybe is not as impacted, uh, being able to support those in our community who are, who are really struggling this year. And although it's, uh, you know, it's looking like we're, we're a long ways behind, we are, it's significant. But, you know, we realize also that this last week heading into Christmas is our, is our number one week in fundraising. And uh, here in the city, you know, we're currently... Uh, if we have a week like we had last week, we'll get really close to our goal here for the city of Winnipeg. So that's really important. Uh, we, we're really pushing hard and we're making sure that our volunteers are out there on the kettles and being able to raise the funds that we need to, to do the programs again for the upcoming year and this Christmas season as well. Major Al Haft, Salvation Army, joining us this morning on the start. And not everyone ca- carries cash, Al. And so uh, there is a digital option or, or, a, or a tap option that uh, we're seeing around the city. Tell us about that. And has it helped? Well, it definitely has helped. And, it, you know, the reality is, uh, you know, like many people, uh, pe- you know, there's a lot of people just not carrying cash anymore. And so we five years ago, we came up with this option uh, with some partners and came up with this tip tap option where people can tap the squares at the kettles and there's these digital squares for 20 or 10 or $5. Uh, 
And uh, you just have to tap your debit or credit card and the, or even your, you know, your phone and be able to make those donations. Uh, this year so far, uh, you know, over $2 million has already been dis- uh, donated in that way. And, uh, you know, we're seeing that continue to be an increasing uh, opportunity for people to make those donations. Is every kettle armed with that tap option, or is it uh, just sort of part, like partly Almost covered? Almost everyone. Our goal was to have everyone uh, with a, a ke- with one of those tip tap opportunities. Uh, you know, sometimes they uh, they don't work as well as we want. We're still it's still new technology, and we're still trying to you know iron out some wrinkles. But the reality is, the vast majority of them here in the city of Winnipeg have that tip tap option. And like I said, people are people are using it, and it's great to see. One way people can give back, if perhaps they don't have the funds to do so, major is to de- dedicate some time to causes Absolutely. that mean something to them. Are you still looking for volunteers down the stretch run here? We are. We got you know, five days left or four days left now, and uh, we just want to make sure that every kettle shift is filled. And so, if people are looking for an opportunity to donate time, if you know they don't, they have some time on their hands. Uh, uh, winnipegkettles.ca. You can go and sign up and uh, see what's available and maybe find a way to uh, to support in that way. What about toys as well? You, you also collect toys, right? We have been collecting toys, and uh, those are just wrapping up. There's still uh, our Toy Mountain program uh, in partnership with Scotiabank has been uh, still ongoing, and uh, in the next few days we'll be wrapping that up. But if you've got toys to drop off, any Scotiabank location right now, you can drop off toys. And they'll be uh, they'll be picking them up in the next couple of days to make sure we get them out to all families that uh, have registered for this year's uh, toy program. All right, Major Al Heft with the Salvation Army joining us live on 680 CJOB. Major Heft, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. And if you don't happen to see, like if you're out and about and you just don't cross paths with a kettle, but you would still like to make a donation, you can go to salvationarmy.ca to make a donation, or you can call 1-800-SAL-ARMY. That's 1-800-SAL-ARMY. Yeah, one of the things in these difficult economic times, it's the it's the very thing that is impacting so many people that might be impacting the amount of money that the Salvation Army is raising, right? People are making difficult choices right now. And mm-hmm. sometimes that difficult choice means not giving to charities or organizations that you nor- normally give to. Uh, we do have some news from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, if I may share it oh, with you. okay. Another signing, Kyle Walters, busy uh, signing players before the February free agent deadline. Uh, Canadian linebacker Tanner Cadwalder has... Uh, agreed to a two-year contract to stay with the Blue Bombers. Three years with the Blue Bombers. He's played in every single game, uh, an outstanding special teams player, and uh, finding his way into other aspects of the of the lineup as well. So uh, yesterday, Retta Cramdy signed, kind of a revelation on defense, Canadian player, now uh, Tanner uh, Cadwallader uh, re-upping with the Blue and Gold. All right, go Blue! And before we check traffic and weather, uh, what does Herb have to say? Because we were talking Seinfeld earlier, and that's inspired Herb, I understand. Herb Herb is giving. He's uh, gone all out here in honor of George Costanza. Herb says he's made a donation in our names to the Human <laughs> Fund. And for those of you unfamiliar with the Human Fund, money for humans. Oh, and one more note about the Salvation Army. I just got to throw this out there because my friend Kristen Moran, who is uh, was one of their communications people, and she's the one who got me to come help out. She warmed up the the group of runners, the troop 
of runners. She's like, she's super fit and you know, does classes, but I've known her since we, we went to school together, Red River College, and she did such an amazing job warming this, this group up. And I should post a video on my Instagram or something. Uh, it was pretty neat to see all these people dressed in red and green doing these warm up exercises uh, that she made up. She made it was one called the T-Rex. It was just so much fun. She had so much fun and got these people in a great mood to go out and run. Terrific. To support the Santa Shell. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb's on Connecting Winnipeg for the rest of the week. In a moment, our weekly Wednesday Jets chat. But first, a reminder, we have tickets for All Elite Wrestling, AEW, coming to Canada Life Centre on Wednesday, April 10th. And we're asking you... If you have an unusual Christmas tradition, like Victor, who says, my mother-in-law decided to buy me turkey socks one Christmas year. These socks roll up to my knees and have a print of turkey legs on them. (laughs) So she also bought me a 3D shirt with prints of holes on it. So every year at Christmas, I roll up my pants, I slap on my turkey socks, and I wear my holy shirt I have received the title for Christmas as the Holy Turkey. Aha, uh, play on words. Yes. A little punny. <laughs> We're missing Loren to be rolling on the floor right now <laughs> with that from Vic. And uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to Victor and uh, all of our listeners on the text line 204 780 6868. Keep those stories coming. In the meantime, the Winnipeg Jets, they're back in action tonight. Game two of what the marketing team is billing as original six week. Friday night, the Boston Bruins are here. Yeah, Monday night, of course, the Jets were on the wrong side of a 3-2 overtime score versus Montreal. Here's head coach Rick Bonus talking about the overall play of his team. The 5-on-5 play is very, very good. The team play is very, very good. Uh, there's too many games, I can count five or six games, where... We lost the game based on specialty teams. Let's discuss these three points one at a time with ESPN commentator and analyst, Manitoba broadcasting legend, Brandon Manitoba's own <laughs> Leah Hextall. Good morning, Hexie. Good morning, boys. I have to say, though, isn't there a clause in my contract with CJOB that if Loren isn't here being the brains of the operation she is, that I don't come on without her? I thought there was something about that. But oh, I'll, no. I'll still I'll hang out with you guys this morning. Well, you become the brains of the operation. <laughs> That's uh, really what happens here, Leah. I think you and I would agree, and we don't agree on a lot of stuff when it comes to hockey, but I think you and I would agree <laughs> that one of the Achilles heels of the Winnipeg Jets over the years has been their five-on-five play. And Coach wanted to call it outstanding there but I think he dialed it back a little bit realizing then there's no real real way to improve it. I'm blown away at the way the Jets have been playing with both teams at full strength so far this year. Should I be impressed, Leah? Absolutely. The way that the Winnipeg Jets are playing right now at even strength is really, they're right up there with the top teams in the league and it all starts with that top line right now. When you look at the past four games ever since, you know, Gabe Velarde, now a healthy Gabe Velarde after missing those 18 games due to the injury, he's come back and he's just putting the puck in the net all at even strength. He's got five goals in five games. But it's that entire line along with Nick Ehlers and Mark Shifley. I mean, they're outscoring their opponents the past four games 7-1, to one, outshooting them, outchancing them 35-11. to 11. It's, it's really unbelievable what they're doing. But it's very simple what they're doing. And I think that this is the most important part, not just for the top line, but for the entire Jets lineup. You know, they're playing as a connected five-man unit by using fundamentals. They are doing this very simply. They are exiting their zone, a little bank shot out, 
take it up. Don't try to force the play. Get into the zone. Put it deep. Go after it hard on the forecheck. And that's why that top line, you're seeing so much success because Gabe Velarde is excellent at digging that puck off the wall, and then he goes into those hard areas right in front of the slot. I bet if you looked at his goals this year, they would all be within six feet because that's where they're coming from. That's a really tough area but he's so strong at it. And that's fundamental hockey. And you even saw it in the first period against, you know, the Habs. Mark Shifley, I, you know, I was so impressed because he was on the far side from the Jets bench. Habs were doing a partial change. Jets were doing a full change. He had the ability and neutralized with the puck to go into the zone and try to make something happen, but he didn't. He dropped it back into the D zone to Brendan Dillon, who had just got on the ice. He went off. Brendan Dillon collected themselves, waited for everything to set up. There was no forced play there. It was simply, you go back, you do it right, and when you have the buy-in like that, that's why you're successful, because it doesn't matter how skilled you are. If you don't play fundamental hockey, and if you can't exit your zone, then you can't win. And right now, that's why the Jets are having so much success at 5-on-5. So you mentioned fundamental hockey, which sounds easy, but it's not always possible to get that buy-in from all players, especially skilled ones. So in your view, are the Jets coaches getting that total buy-in? I think they are. And I think that this is something, honestly, that has been missing in the Jets over the past couple seasons is you had more individuals than you did a team. And I'm not saying that as a, as a hit, but, you know, if we look at what the players were doing it just seemed that the stars were the stars on this team and then you had you know the others for the last couple of seasons with the Jets and now they're this cohesive unit you look at how deep they are going one through four in their lineup I mean the fourth line was fantastic Barron was creating so many opportunities against the Canadians they really deserved a better fate they just didn't get it but you know, they have that buy-in right now. I think that Rick Bonus has done a great job, along with his entire coaching staff, of getting it because there has been some ups and downs with, you know, Rick stepping away from the team and whatnot. And that can change things when you don't have your key voice there. But they really have done a strong job of keeping all these guys pulling in the same direction. The question now is, Will it continue? Because whether or not we like it, we're still really in the infant part of this season. All right. I think I have the right clip here, Lee. I'm going to press play on here with fingers crossed. This is uh, this is the coach here talking uh, about a little bit more about what we were talking about with the power play. When we see the power play sort of begin to look more standstill, what are they not seeing or what is that you're is looking it, for that's not well, yet? You just said it. Standing still, hanging on the puck way too long. It's not moving. <laughs> Same thing we've been fighting with all year. I mean, we're going to have to revamp both. I mean. So the special teams, the coach finally saying the quiet part out loud, in my opinion, <laughs> and also saying, hey, this has cost us five or six games already. Enough is enough. Got to get the power play going, not just statistically, but in a literal sense. Absolutely. And, you know, Greg, which I found really interesting there, and I wish I would have been in the room because I would have asked bonus to drill down on this, is when he said we have to revamp both. Now, when you do a revamp, is that player personnel or is that the system in which your coaches have created in those special teams? What's not working for them? Is it the way in which systematically they're playing or do they not have the proper personnel to get this done? I would say that it's a bit of both because I do believe that they have so many players that can operate the power play. They have the ability to quarterback it in some of their players. But systematically, you know, when a player is not moving the puck, 
when a player is holding on to the puck, which he's talking about when it comes to standing still, it means that they're not making the decisions quick enough. And that's what special teams is all about, especially on that power play. You do not want that penalty kill for your opposition to set up. You have to make those quick decisions, adapt to what you're seeing in front of you. So that means perhaps they're not secure in what they're even doing on their power play yet. So there are some things that the Jets need to look at, but I'd be curious to know if you're going to see something different systematically or different player personnel. They don't have a lot of other options when it comes to player personnel, especially with the injury to Kyle Connor. So we'll wait and see what they do, but they have to get this figured out. That's the bottom line. And they have to do it by February because your special teams need to be clicking because you can be as good as you want in the regular season. You can have great five on five play, but if you get into the playoffs and your special teams are not going, you are not winning. That goal by Gabe Velarde uh, was an example. It wasn't on the power play, but it was an example of guys getting to the net and getting second opportunities off of rebounds, something we're not seeing on the power play as far as I can tell. It seems to be one and done. The puck's uh, out of the zone. They're not winning, in my opinion, enough face-offs overall, but on the power play, they're losing 25 seconds on their power play every time they lose a draw at the beginning of that power play. That's not helping. And I think if you look at the way they play in overtime, the way they create all sorts of motion in particular, Connor's out of the lineup, as you mentioned, but Connor Shifley, Morrissey in particular, they are interchanging their positions during that three on three. I would like to see a lot more of that movement, that style of movement on the power play. And that's what I mean. I do think they have the personnel to do it. You know, what you're saying right there, Greg, is absolutely correct. It's not like this team does not have the skilled ability to operate a power play. So I really believe that we might see changes to how they're playing the power play. So it'll be interesting to see what they do here. But when he says revamp, I mean, he's finally said it, as you mentioned. And I think they need to do it now, not later. It's not something that you can wait on because, as I said, you don't have a few more months to get it ready to go. you got to have this power play clicking by the stretch, and it's got to be ready to go. And I, I think they have what they need. It's just a matter of figuring out how to make it better. But um, we'll just have to wait and see if they can get it together. And I preface, special teams are not easy. I mean, the majority of the league has a really hard time with them. But you need to have them being able to go. And uh, five on five is great. But if you don't have those special teams you're going to be in trouble down the line. They've only lost nine games, but two of those losses, they had five on three opportunities late in the game, two man power play situations, unable to capitalize. And when you look at that and you go, gee whiz, this team could be even doing better in the standings. It's a little frustrated. We we look back in order to see what might happen in the future. Leah, Merry Christmas. Is uh, Brandon on the horizon for you at Christmas time or are you going to warmer climbs? No, I am jumping into my car tomorrow to go to the Wheat City, and I have a full week off this year, so I am so excited to get home. And I wish everyone, uh, you and all your listeners, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and make it a safe and great one. All right, Leah, we appreciate you. Speak to you in 2024. Sounds great. Leah Hextall joining us live on 680 CJOB ESPN commentator and analyst and a huge part of our Jets coverage team here on 680 CJOB. So once again, Jets back in action tonight. (music) 
It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg today, tomorrow, and Friday. And we got a note here from a loyal listener, Bill Carpenter, who says, Hey, can you wish my wife a happy birthday? Yes, we can. Happy birthday to Liz Carpenter. No Two number attached? Oh, I guess we don't ask, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's important not to ask. No. Yeah. Um, but we are, we are asking you if you have an unusual holiday tradition. What does Naren Lee say? Okay, so this is this is pretty neat, Brett. It's sort of like out of the film industry or, or like these magical Christmas movies. When my mom was a child, their tradition for Christmas was on Christmas Eve. They would go to bed with nothing. No tree, no lights, no presents, no treats. But on Christmas morning, Santa would come in the night, set up the tree, decorate the house, and bake all the treats before leaving his presents behind. Oh, cool. All right. So if Santa's late, you'll know why. Busy setting up at, at Naren Lee's house. <laughs> no idea how Santa gets it all done. And we, we see in different movies, they've all got their sort of interpretations. And uh, But, I mean, I, I've have you seen Violent Night? Not yet. That's the movie that was filmed in Winnipeg. Yeah, with David Harbour as Santa Claus. I just recently watched it. It's on Crave. And it's pretty... It's actually... When I first saw the trailer, I thought, that's going to be fun. You talk about Santa Claus doling out season's beatings. Because the premise of the movie is he shows up at this house, uh, like a super rich family's house, to deliver some presents. Just as some people led by John Leguizamo, have invaded it to raid the vault in the basement. And he ends up getting mixed up in it, so he he lays the smack down. But it was actually shockingly heartwarming and really touching. Really? Yeah. For And to the point where I think the goofy stuff actually almost took away from it. But anyway, uh, the point there is even Santa says it. He's like, I don't know how it works. Christmas magic. So there you go. And Naren Lee's just shared an example of that Christmas magic. Also, this is not quite Christmas. Well, it's a magic of a different sort. I don't know if you saw Amanda's note here. No, I didn't. Amanda says, uh, one of my very good friends. So this is definitely not my family's tradition, but one of my very good friends is from overseas and their family and other families from this area have a tradition of what they call the Christmas Fart. On December 24th, the family gathers together, and whoever has the biggest release of gas closest to midnight wins a special prize. (laughs) Hey, if you have something your family enjoys. Hey, whatever works for you. Are you in the the category, like, my mom never liked that word. Fart. Okay. Were you allowed to use that word in your house? Yeah. Uh, maybe it was Jackie's. Jackie's mom and dad might have been the same. We, we never used that word. Does it does it irk you to hear it? No, it doesn't irk me. Okay, it just it's just funny because <laughs> I know more than one person that where that we yeah we grew up not using that word either. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know why. Okay, my mom was my mom was silly on some stuff. Well. You know, just trying to get you to be a gentleman. That's I suppose all. that's with what healthy it was. teeth, minus because you didn't have cap and crunch. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg this week. 
Last chance to get in on the tickets for AEW All Elite Wrestling. We're asking you if you have any unusual Christmas traditions. Maybe they were born by accident, born as the result of a gag. Uh, Like this listener who says, we used to weigh ourselves at the beginning and then after the festivities. Most weight gained? One. So there you go. The sign of a good time, I guess. I agree. <laughs> so keep those coming. We'll pick our winner in our next segment. But right now, on this day, 133 years ago, way back in 1890, the Winnipegs faced the Victorias in what is recognized as the first ever organized hockey match in Western Canada. The game was played on the Winnipeg Street Railway Rink, on the Assiniboine River. That's right, Brett. And the Victorias would ultimately have their accomplishments immortalized on the Stanley Cup in 1896 and again in 1901. Just one small part of Manitoba's glorious hockey history. On the 130th anniversary of that historic event in 2020, the Manitoba government proclaimed December 20th as Manitoba Hockey Heritage Day. Helping us celebrate and recognize this magnificent first is the president of the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame and Museum, West End legend, veteran of 268 NHL games, scorer of 76 NHL goals, Jordy Douglas. Good morning, friend. <laughs> Good morning. Well, you, you took all my thunder. That's We're, we're celebrating Mac, Manitoba Hockey Heritage Day, and yeah, 133 years ago today. Can you imagine that? Um, and you could have been a uh, could have been a fan at that game, Greg, for a, for fifteen cents. <laughs> fifteen cents got you got you to watch the game. <laughs> Did I get popcorn with that? That sounds yeah. like a lot of money back then. You know, I was driving here today. I'm at the office, and I was thinking the same thing. Well, fifteen cents that would have been that's like a king's ransom. That's maybe that's like what Jets tickets cost in relationship today. <laughs> and of course the game was much different then. And we could talk all about even, you know, I know you were involved in a reenactment of that game. And, and so the equipment was different. The rules were so different, but when we talk about Manitoba's hockey history, it's impossible, at least in my mind, Jordy, uh, not to come to the conclusion that our province punches way above its weight class in terms of contributions overall to the game. Right. And, you know, Greg, 100% true. Um, we, uh, we're, we were the, uh, uh, arguably the first um, uh, province to recognize the hockey, hockey history with, with the uh, uh, Manitoba uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, there was a large class that went in back in, 19, I think it was 1985. We've been celebrating every two years an induction dinner. Um, and this is our first year that, in concert with the Manitoba Hockey Heritage Day today, we're actually inducting um, a veterans class. And those are those uh, that have slipped through the cracks, if you will, and have been uh, removed from the game or the, the visibility of the game for over 50 years. And that, that basket of players is significantly large, significantly large. When you look at the history of the game, because you've just listed off the turn of the last century, where we were winning Stanley Cups, but the the players going in um, uh, that we can put in in, in the veterans category, Greg, uh, we'll, we we won't run out of names with respect to the history that uh, that we have and what they brought to the game across uh, around the world and in, in Canada in particular. Jordy, it's Brett here. I got a couple of questions for yeah. you. First one, just tell us how you fell in love with hockey. Yeah, you know, we we were all come on, let's we were kids, right? And we had we didn't have uh we didn't have we didn't even have television. What do we have two channels? 
and so everybody in our neighborhood, we, we, we spent every waking moment out at the rinks. I grew up uh, on Strathcona Street in the West End. Uh, uh, I, I, was, I was eight days a week at Clifton Community Club, which is, I think, now called Victoria. But, um, but I, I was there every day, as were all my, all my friends. Uh, we'd, we'd literally go from school to the rink every day. And, and the love, well, it, 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 it really, the, you know, the love started just being outside with your friends on a day-to-day-to-day basis. And, you know, we often talk about, you know, uh, all the volunteers that, you know, would, would, would flood the ice. And, you, you know, we, I, would, I can remember wait, racing down there first thing Saturday mornings because they flooded the ice at 3, 4 in the morning. I wanted to be the first, one of the first ones on the ice and, you know, no snow out there and just clear like glass. And, yeah, it, it was easy to fall in love with the game. And, uh, and then when, you, when, you, when, when you're blessed and you work hard and, and, and you have some success, you're able to, you know, go a little bit further uh, you know the 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 odds are aren't there for everybody, but it worked out for me, and and I spent time in Flintflon. But the reality is, it's it's a child's it's a child's game, and if if you're hanging around a lot of old guys, we're still childlike when we talk about the game. It's that it's that impressive on us. Well, talking about childlike, you know, what about some of your journey to professional hockey? Could five year old Jordy, for example, ever imagine what was to come? I, I couldn't imagine at twenty. What are you kidding me? Like. Like, honest to goodness, you, you literally were playing with your friends. Community club hockey was, was where it was at. It, you know, uh, I, I, I was one of the first, uh, my era was one of the first to get into what was originally double-A hockey Then one, for one year. Then it became triple-A hockey when they decided to, you know, let's call it, you know, try and get the better players to play with the better players, which, you know, on paper makes sense. But, you know, over time, it's really killed the community clubs and, uh, and the kids... You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of kids will never play the game because that you know it's it's become well it's become expensive but it's also become quite elite. So, no, I, I, my, the era we came through was was all about our friendships and hanging out at the rinks all winter, all summer. Uh, we didn't play hockey in the summer. My my mom and dad literally said, "Listen, if you're not, uh, we're going to drive you around all winter. We ain't driving you around all summer. That's on you." So. Uh, you know, it was it was it was hanging out at the club with your pals. It made it made it so much fun. We just have about sixty seconds here, Jordy, and we're going to celebrate some of those legends at the luncheon today at at Polo Park, uh, Polo Park Inn, and Canada Canadians at at Polo Park, and and it's a, an honor to be a, a part of this as the MC today. Yeah. But just you know, I, I'm going to mention this in my remarks today. But l- let's just uh, take a moment here in this holiday season, this season of giving, just to acknowledge the volunteers. Uh, my dad never skated more than five feet in his life. Couldn't skate. Right. Volunteered to coach my my brother's hockey team once upon a time. But him and my other friend's dads were there to flood the ice at Isaac Brock to make sure that we had a rink to, to skate on, that we had five rinks to choose from. But just honor those uh, on my behalf this morning, Jordy, quick. You're bang on. I mean, we everybody talks about the players that made it. You don't make it with all the support, and the support is huge from from as you say, people making the ice, the coaches, the, you know, the people that worked in the canteens. How about how about you know how how about you know all the staff at those community clubs? It was endless. The volunteers that used to exist, and 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 I don't I don't, I don't think they exist anymore. But Greg, you're bang on. Nobody gets anywhere down that road, so to speak. With all, without all the volunteers, the behind-the-scenes people that just, for the love of the game, 
showed up at two, three, four in the morning to flood the ice and run the canteens and 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 warm up cold feet. All of that, yeah, we should celebrate them big time. Can't wait to do that with you today, Jordy Douglas, president of the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame and Museum, celebrating legends today at. Uh, Canadians Polar Park. Thanks, Jordy. We'll see you later on, friend. Yeah, looking forward to it, Greg. Thanks, guys, very much. Mackling and McGarry, we've got AEW tickets to give away. We're asking you if you have any unusual Christmas traditions. And Liz, one of our runners up here, actually Liz Carpenter, whom we wished a happy birthday a little bit earlier. Liz says, our tradition, we would fish for a gift it started at my grandparents, and they would put a curtain over a closet door, and then we would use a fishing rod. Oh, neat. And we would have to fish for our gift, and it was the most exciting thing ever. I carried it on with my kids. We thought it was absolute magic, but of course, my grandfather was on the other side hooking the gifts to the fishing line. That's really cool. That's so cute. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Neither have I. Uh, who do you want to go to next, Greg? Uh, how about Teresa? Just some gratefulness here uh, from Teresa. Remember a Christmas? We didn't have a lot of money. Mom being a single parent and all. Santa came to the door days before Christmas. I had never seen so many boxes of presents, food, and cooked turkey, cooked frozen turkey in my life. My mom was so thankful. And meeting Santa, we found out years later a great aunt worked for Great West Life. It was from them. Every time I can help with putting a hamper together, I do. And last year I delivered hampers, paying it forward. That's Christmas to me. Teresa, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Bruce, one of our runners, another one of our runners up here. This is pretty wild. He says, our family has a tradition that started way back when our kids were young. We go tobogganing, but it's not just regular tobogganing. We get dressed up in our suits and dresses on Christmas Eve. We always go to a fancy restaurant for dinner. We then go to church. And after that, around 10 p.m., we go tobogganing in our suits, in our dresses, (laughs) and our dress shoes. Have you ever tried climbing a toboggan hill in dress shoes, says Bruce? Believe me, it's not easy, (laughs) but it's hilarious. We always do this on Christmas Eve, even if it's super cold. I remember a few years ago it was minus 31, and even though we were only on the toboggan hill for a few minutes, it created some wonderful memories. That's pretty cool, and I'm curious to know if any of you have ever gotten hurt trying to climb that hill in the dress shoes. But, Greg, our winner today is Allison. Allison nailed the assignment today. One Christmas morning, my family and I went to 7-Eleven to get coffees. When I asked my dad if he wanted anything else, he said, a hot dog. Only after bringing it back home did we find out he was joking. Now, every year we go to 7-Eleven to get coffee and one hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, That's great, Allison. I'm sure he treasures those hot dogs. Uh, So congratulations, Allison. You are our winner of the All Elite Wrestling Tickets, AEW, coming back to Winnipeg in April.